Hello and welcome to the show where we have a cozy video game discussion every week. And this is going to be a side series of sorts called Backlog Brunch. Marcus and I both have a platter of food that we're going to be eating and talking about as we uh, enjoy this brunch together remotely. We thought that the one thing that would make this podcast better was more eating fully, like the sounds of us munching on French toast. I, I know people really... love love saliva ASMR. So, <laughs> yeah, hey, it's a it's a new scene. We want to break into it. We this is our new podcast. It's video game talking and also breakfast ASMR. We we are video game talking. Uh, we may or may not be eating. Uh, don't worry. Please stick around. Don't go. Um, wait, wait, wait. Come back. It's like half of our listenership just tuned out after that. They're like, oh, gosh, I don't like this. I don't like the direction this show's taking. Nope, not for me anymore. Uh, we're just getting together and casually talking about some of the games that we haven't had the chance to talk about together uh, because we play a lot of games. And it actually takes a lot to do an entire episode talking about just one game. So this will be our chance to catch up kind of share our thoughts and feelings, maybe throw in a few star pieces and quick jabs as we go. And then at the end of the show, we'll be announcing who won our Dredge Game giveaway. Is that right, Jared? That is right, because we received a lot of really, really creepy undersea creatures that I wish I could unsee. So I'm very excited to award the Dredge Code to one of our listeners. I Honestly, I was surprised. I thought it was us mostly just goofing when you said, oh yeah, send us creepy things under the sea. No, it's a nightmare down there. I don't know if you guys were aware, but it's it's real bad. <laughs> Someone should make like a horror version of the song, Under the Sea. and just <laughs> A minor key, it slowed down 50%. That by itself as, would as, probably be As he creepy. names the, the undersea creatures, it's just, it gets more and more grotesque and horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, very exciting. Stick around. Yeah. So to start off, we have a recent release, Metroid Prime Remastered. This is a remake of the GameCube title, which, uh, you know, a year ago, Metroid Dread was announced, and I kind of got into the, the Metroid mood, and I, I started buying up all the old games, including the trilogy for Wii, which I think was a good purchase, except I, I spent about 90 bucks on it. And so now I feel just silly because there's don't a have, better version You don't have now. to announce that, Jared. You, you didn't have to tell people. Well, they know now. Uh, I need to be held accountable. I want to listen <laughs> back to this and be like, Jared, you idiot. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't regret buying them. But uh, I, I had started the first game and I ended up not completing it. And now that the remaster came out, it's like, okay, we're going to start go start to finish on this new beautiful looking title for the Switch. Um, I don't know if you've seen the graphics, but I've like, seen side by side comparisons. Okay, yeah, it's it's good, and and I don't even think it looks that good in the videos, like on YouTube. I think it looks really good when you're playing it, though. Just some of the, like the textures on the walls look legitimately like a next gen game, um, and that's what a lot of people. I, I think some people would agree with that. Maybe some people would disagree, but um, it's cool, and it's really cool to see like. You know, the game design is relatively untouched, so it's awesome to see, like, whoa, way back in, I don't remember, 2003, 2001, whenever it was, they were, like, really, really into immersion. They're like, okay, let's add, you know, like, let's have your visor fog up when you're in a really hot, humid area, or let's have rain droplets, or let's, when you fire a, a missile blast and the explosion is close enough, let's see a brief 
glimpse of the reflection of your face. A great sound design. Awesome. Everything you've heard about Atmosphere and Metroid games can be applied here. I thought it was great. Uh, didn't love the backtracking. I know that's a hallmark of Metroidvanias, but like in the 2D games, it doesn't take that long to like get to, you know, an old area. In this game, it takes a real long time because you're it's first person and you're jumping on platforms and sometimes you miss because it's first person. So like it's actually a little tedious. There's one room where I kept falling down time after time and just couldn't make my way out of it. And so that was a little frustrating. But mm -hmm. apart from that. Really enjoyed it. Any questions? I, I do have questions. So since oh. you recently hopped on the Metroid Trainia, train yeah. Hey, I like it. <laughs> woo woo. Man, I'm so funny. <laughs> um, do you feel like that affected your experience, the fact that you replayed the Prime games recently? Like, do you think that highlighted more of the graphical differences to um, you? It wasn't that recent. <laughs> it was a good number of months ago when I played it. So I was recognizing areas, but I was just, I was trying to actually come at it from the viewpoint of someone who hadn't played any of the games. And I'm like, what would a new person think who hadn't ever played a Metroid game? And I was like, yeah, this looks really good. Because mm -hmm. it's not a typical first person shooter, right? It's not ducking behind cover and making sure you to reload and there, there's none of that it's more puzzly it's more exploration based mm -hmm. the combat is it, it's different mm -hmm. and um so as i played i was like yeah i could see this game coming out today and i mean it did but like i could see this not being a remake <laughs> i could see this not being a remake and coming out today and being In like terms wow of mechanics yeah. and stuff yeah you know, i'm like if prime 4 looks this good like perfect like it doesn't have yeah. to go any further than that you know yeah and that's my other question does this feel just your guess do you think that this is like a reminder of hey you should love prime because prime 4 is coming out do you feel like this is a large ad at all for maybe a new prime game oh for sure like the worst thing they could have done is not mention the old prime games and then releasing metroid prime 4 mm -hmm. like i and they've done that with dread there was no legal way unless you owned a wii u there was no currently legal way to play the previous metroid titles in the series like you had to track down physical copies of the 3ds game and the wii u uh get the gba ones and the you know the originals i guess are on nso but um so i was very very happy that they released it it'd be cool if they could release two and three before four i don't know if they're planning on doing that but yeah, totally. I think this will totally drum up the hype for people who were on the fence about Prime 4. And they need that because, you know, Prime 4 has been rocky and canceled and uncanceled and, you know, many, many years in the making. Production limbo, so to speak. But that's my thoughts on Metroid. Fun game. Uh, I understand you've been playing an indie title recently that I have heard of but have not played much. Yes, speaking of trains... Oh, Monster sorry. I should, I should have let you segue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's all good. Speaking of trains, Monster Train. We already did uh, a triple-decker deck-builder extravaganza. We did indeed. It was Griftlands, Slay Spire, and Dicey Dungeons. Yep. Uh, this one is, is also a deck-builder, and I really got into it. I got into the loop. I played a lot of hours of this game. It was a, a month or two ago. But yeah, so in Monster Train, you are the forces of the underworld fighting against seraphs and angels. 
that's all I remember about the lore. It's not really about the lore, um, but you're I mean, on I, a there's train. There's not really any deck builder that's about the lore. I guess Grifflands is story-focused, but... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is definitely mechanically focused. So, um, essentially, like most deck builders, you know, you, you have a deck, you have a hand. On your turn, you play cards to defeat enemy troops. The train you're on is actually like a triple decker train. And then the enemies start on the bottom of the train. And then each turn, they move up one towards your pyre, which is like your, your home base, your health is at the very top of the train. So uh, this onslaught of enemies come and you place your, your units in different places. What I think makes this interesting mechanically, or, or one of the, the top selling points, I think, is that at the beginning of a run, you choose two factions to play as, two factions to build your deck as. So those two factions determine what your starting cards are and what card drops are going to be in that run. So for example, if you do like the Awoken, which is like this plant faction, you're going to see plant cards in like the card drops, which might deal with uh, health regeneration or you know certain kinds of combos and synergies. Or if you do like a different faction, it might be, oh, this one's a lot more about killing your own creatures for buffs or whatever. And the, the loop is just really satisfying. They, there are a lot of synergies, and I feel like the mark of a good uh, roguelike game like this is when you feel so powerful, you're like, this game's broken in my favor. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a god. I think that those are the best moments in these kind of games. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not like it's super easy. and In fact, it gets much, much more difficult. But some of the synergies you make, you know, you start the game with like a creature with five attack and eight health, and you end a run with a creature that has 300 attack and 4,000 health, like just ridiculous scaling because you find these interesting uh, card combinations and synergies. So like something I, I I never feel like I find a broken combo when I play these games. Am I doing it wrong? Like, do you think Monster <laughs> Train is more of a um it's easier to find weird permutations that break break the game open? Or are you just that good? <laughs> I think it definitely came with uh playing it a bit. Like the first run or two, I was like, wow, it, the game just randomly gets super tough and I can't beat this thing. But then I started being more smart about like what cards I pick, you know, like the first couple runs. I was like, that looks cool. Throw it in there. Um, I do think one thing that this game has a bit differently than like Slay the Spire is it's a lot more liberal with giving you the ability to remove cards from your deck to gain cards and to remove cards. So there's a lot more uh, chance to really refine your strategy and to really go for a specific strategy do you think someone who maybe hasn't played too many deck builders could still get into it i think so i might recommend slay the spire first because i feel like that one i don't know if it's more unified in concept but i feel like this game takes a lot of swings that you know i feel like you kind of need a framework of i know how deck builders work you know like it's not too much to ask for someone who's played deck builders before to add a few of these new mechanics but for someone who's just getting into it 
I would maybe suggest Dicey Dungeons or Slay the Spire. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I definitely need to give this game another try. Um, from what I've heard from you, <laughs> it sounds really good. So that's great. Do you think roguelikes are like your favorite? Because like I'm, I've just been impressed how far you get into like Hades and uh, Griftlands and this game. Like Ascension levels and Slay the Spire, like forget it. Like I, I'm not that good. I like the game, but like that's way too hard. But it seems like you, you've been doing that pretty well. I think it's a personality type thing. I think that I, and also I am not right now in my life really looking to video games for, even though I love video games that tell interesting stories and have unique mechanics, right now video games are really filling the niche in my life of mindless, good brain chemicals and numbers <laughs> going up. Sure, so sure. It, and, and also those are, it's quicker to like do a single run of you know, a game that's going to take 20 minutes rather than sink an hour or two into a 40 plus hour experience. So, yeah, fair enough. But which I, I know you've talked a little bit about before. But speaking of 40 hour plus experiences, you have been playing Hogwarts Legacy. I did. I did play Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, what, Wogharts? Wogharts. Gellacy. What? <laughs> yeah. So, Harry Potter, big IP. Uh, what does a company do when they spend a lot of money? They play it safe. So they go for whatever the most current popular genre is. And if this was, you know, early 2000s, that would have been a 3D platformer. But today, it's all about the open world games, right? We saw those numbers of how well Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild did. Like, it, it only makes sense to do a big open world. And for the most part, I think they actually stuck the landing. This is actually a really good one of those. Um, especially the opening of the game like the, the opening is so strong basically you, you you spend like two minutes learning the story and then a dragon attacks you it's great more games should have a dragon that attacks you within the first two minutes i in, that's in fact, how you start a video game dare i say it every video game should have a dragon that attacks you in the first two <laughs> minutes yes yeah yeah you you listening Pikmin? I was <laughs> yeah. trying to think of an unlikely series. There were a few moments in this game. So my, my wife loves Harry Potter. She loves the books. And watching her play was pretty much just as fun as trying out the game myself because you can just get lost wandering around this giant castle for, you know, ever. <laughs> they say, you, 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 you're like, wait, where am I? And trying to, like, you know, get a mental map going takes quite a while before you start to feel comfortable, which is great. They have that sense of scale and scope, and of course they have waypoint markers if you get lost that'll help you, but... So every now and then there were moments like that where I'm like, yeah, wow, yeah, they they know what fans wanted, this kind of escapist fantasy of enrolling at a school. You get to choose your house, you get to choose your wand, you get to choose your appearance. So I think it was pretty good. It would have been cool to see them take a few more risks as far as the open world stuff goes, like once you actually get out into the world, you start to recognize, oh yeah, okay, little bandit camps here and there. And mm -hmm. oh, okay, a little shrine puzzle now and then. And you trade those to level up in certain things. But yeah, um, as you progress and learn new spells, it feels very empowering. And uh, uh, it, was, it was a good time. It was fun. You know, I think I am going to try out this game. It'll probably be in a, a few months when I can get my hands uh, on a copy and also have the time to play it. But 
I've heard a lot of good things about it. It is really interesting to, to think about open world games generally and figure out which mechanics have really like solidified themselves in the genre and which ones that's because like, oh, this is best practices and which ones are, well, everyone else is doing it, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm interested to see the, the genre progress and see maybe maybe some game is going to take a, a big swing and realize, oh, everyone should have been doing this or once we ditched this whole idea the the genre moved forward uh, we've talked about this before but breath of the wild was my first open world game so i didn't realize just how good of an open world game it was right. all i was thinking of was how good of a zelda game it was and now that i've played other open worlds i'm like oh that's why people were so crazy <laughs> about this game because there's no waypoint markers there's not much like guidance. There's no, and, yeah, mm-hmm. there's, they don't litter your map with markers. You have to put your markers. It's way more open than it yes. most open world games. And it's landmark based. Like you have to decide yourself where to go rather than, okay, next objective this way. I'll go this way. Like Hogwarts Legacy, there's some cool vistas. Like I took a few photos. It was awesome. But like there wasn't any parts where I'm like, oh, what's that thing over there? I'm going to go over there. It was, Okay, where's the oh, there's a, a camp nearby, I'll go there because there's a map, you know, a map icon telling me to. And, you know, Horizon and the uh Assassin's Creed games are basically the same. And now that I've started playing those, I'm like, oh yeah, they all are kind of similar. Uh I wish more would do it like this. And and the game didn't, you know, by the end, you know, it got a little tiresome. But um, like I said, really strong beginning, really fun. Uh, I like how violent your little <laughs> student from Hogwarts is. Like you're just bashing enemies into the ground and <laughs> exploding them in bolts of lightning, and you walk away from that camp saying it's shameful what you do to helpless beasts. <laughs> and it's you just like you're justifying this manslaughter you're committing everywhere. And I, <laughs> anyway, I, I just think it's silly and fun. I never thought I'd see the day where Jared would say a sentence such as "I love how violent." you get to be in yeah this game. that's not something i would usually say but it's like in a game that's not very violent it's funny how violent some of the death animations are oh my gosh i'm imagining now taking like just some random game and just adding one of the like kill animations from like i don't know gears of war is that one of the games that has the violent kill animations? I, I think so I just know. like adding one of those into a game like hogwarts legacy so you like just randomly one time you're like whoa whoa, whoa. oh my gosh <laughs> hey, but speaking of violent, let's talk about Curse of the Golden Idol. Sure. I mean, wor- works as well as any other segue. Uh, Why not? <laughs> would you like me to kind of explain yeah, this give us the give us the lowdown, because you and I played this game together. And I'm happy cool. we did. Yeah, it, it was a really excellent time. Jared and I love detective games, and that is essentially what this is. It could have been made 20, 30, maybe even 40 years ago. I don't know how old video games are. But that feels about right. But it actually came out last year. Yeah. In the case of the Golden Idol, you are given these murder scenarios, these vignettes of different murders, and it is kind of like a point-and-click type look to things. You you click on people to see what they have in their pockets and like desks to see what papers are on them, and you collect evidence which comes in the form of words. So like you click words on books. Or, you know, names that you see in the environment. And then, to solve the mystery, 
or mysteries. It's not just murder mysteries, but also some other peculiar things going on. It's like 1700s era. Uh, you're given these large statements with tons of blanks that look really intimidating at first, like blank blank killed blank blank by blank 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 and blank blank was blank. A lot of censorship there, Marcus. I know, yeah. It's it's really quite vulgar. Lots of expletives everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Keep going. And then you fill it in. And one of the coolest parts about it is you really do feel like you are solving the mystery because by the end of it, you're like, oh, I know what all of these blanks are supposed to be. And then you fill them in and then you go on to the next scenario and there's an overarching uh, plot that connects all of, the, all of the singular mysteries. Yeah, so each scene is like, you know, a snapshot in time, right? It's a freeze frame. Right. And uh, at first, it didn't really feel like these scenes connected, but by the end, it was really rewarding. You know, Marcus would point out stuff that I hadn't noticed that really, uh, how these threads tie together. And it just felt so cool to be like, whoa, we deduced that, like before the game told us anything. Um, you know, the, all the blanks makes it feel like a Mad Libs, but like, if anything, it's just like, hey, you gotta think to get through this game. Right. It's not just, we can't brute force it, it won't work. Like, some games you can brute force it, this one you have to, like, actually pay attention. And that's that's a good detective game right there. But we did never, we never felt, like, too lost. We never felt, like, too stuck in, in right. one, you know, part of the game, right? You know, we never used the hint system. We did, however, use the help me to not pixel search mode. Yes. Which is much appreciated. Love that. We could just focus on the scene and not, oh, we didn't click on that one scrap of paper that was behind a bedpost. Or, mm -hmm. uh, kind of funny how we had to Jimmy rig our setup to play this game together. I played it on my Steam Deck, but then I would do it in desktop mode and then open a Zoom call and have, share my screen on the Zoom call with Marcus on the Steam Deck and then relaunch the game. Uh, kind of a weird thing. Maybe I should just actually buy a streaming device, but hey, it worked, so. <laughs> you know, I, if ever there was a game to play in a weird way like that, I think it's this one, because yeah, it works. honestly, I didn't need high graphic fidelity. I didn't need a really good frame rate, you know? Uh, we, were, we were just there for the deductions, and yeah, it worked pretty well. I would, uh, I would definitely give this game my stamp of approval for what it's worth, uh, maybe an eight or a nine out of 10. I think that for what it's trying to do, it does it really excellently. And it scratches the same itch for me that like uh, Return of the Oridin scratched. Just like a really large puzzle box game that in addition to the little mysteries, the entire thing feels like it kind of opens up to you over time. Totally, I give it my recommendation as well. This is a very, very good detective game. Probably the best one. Uh, there might be something better out there, but I have not seen it yet. But speaking of pseudo-detective narratives, uh, I also played Persona 4 recently. You know, when we talked about Hogwarts Legacy, that's a game where I think if you're a fan of the IP, like your your a review score is gonna go up by a point or two, you know? Sure. Like, my wife has friends that don't play video games that played that game because they really cared about it, right? And in a similar way, Persona 4, for me, was like, I really want to experience this story. I actually want to see, from beginning to end, what this... Because it's it's about it's a murder mystery story, and I really wanted to see it play out. But I really don't like RPGs. But um, what helped was, uh, if you remember, uh, we had Gamer Hushu on the show talking about Stray, 
a few episodes back. And he recommended to me, he's like, hey, RPGs, think of them as books that you get to interact with. And I was like, okay, that changes things a bit. So with that mindset in place, I tried Persona 4 and I played it on easy and that was the right move because it was less about, oh, I got to grind monsters forever and more like, oh, I can get through the battles pretty quick and then just focus on the story, which is what I wanted. Um, It still took way too long. It still took 85 hours or whatever, but I thought it was quite good and I was surprised. It's again, you know, like Metroid. This game came out quite a while ago, and the voice acting is really, really top-notch. It was like a pretty engaging narrative. It was cool to see, oh, okay, the, the stories around these deaths that keep happening where people end up up in like telephone wires and antennas, and it's like, how did they get there? How did they die? Cause a death unknown. Um, and it, it's cool. There's It ends up being this kind of supernatural, uh, I don't know what else to call it, just kind of a supernatural murder mystery that takes place over the course of an entire year. One other thing I will say about it is, while the turn-based combat didn't do a lot for me, I really like the social sim stuff, So, and that's what Persona is known for. So just like, oh, I want to beat this ramen challenge at the, the store, and in order to do that, I gotta level up my, I don't remember, the, like my diligence, my courage, and my kindness. I need to level up those stats in order to beat that challenge. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, or like, oh, I want to, go hang out with this person, but I don't have enough... You don't have enough uh, ramen noodles. <laughs> yeah. I don't have enough diligence to join the soccer team and get to know this person. And getting to know people levels up your stats in the battle. So it's a, a really lovely, engaging loop. I get why people like this game now. So happy I did it. Uh, I'm starting on Persona 5 now with Mariah, and that's been pretty fun. Very cool. Jared, have you played Yakuza Like a Dragon? Uh, I have not played Yakuza yet. I have it on the PlayStation, and I've been meaning to because it looks ludicrously funny and uh, worth trying out. But wh- why do you ask? Oh, just when you were talking about the life sim games being like, here here I have this crazy supernatural you know, story, and what I was into was eating ramen. Uh, from what I've seen of whichever Yakuza game, I, I think it is like a dragon. I think it's, that's the most recent one. And that one's a turn-based combat while the other ones are like brawlers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh yeah, there's so much silliness in those games. Like way more than this. This one, it like, oh, it makes sense. I'm a student. I need to study to level up my knowledge to do well on the test. But in Yakuza, it's like, oh, you beat our bowling challenge. Here's a chicken that can be <laughs> one of your primary investors for this real estate mini game. You know, it's just, it's, Bonkers. you know, it, it's so funny. Yeah, definitely need to try that one at some point. Well, speaking of funny, this game has nothing to do with being funny. (laughs) This game is about philosophy. Let's talk about The Forgotten City. Yeah, let's do that. So similarly, this is a game we played together by uh, streaming it via the PS5. And uh, yeah, tell us about it, Marcus. So this is a 3D indie game, originally a mod of Skyrim. Mm Mm-hmm. So in this game, you find yourself trapped in a Roman-era city of about 20 people or so, and you learn that if one of them sins, the entire town is killed, is turned to gold. So it's kind of a detective game, kind of uh, a a story game. You know, it's it's definitely story-focused. For sure. 
and uh, a lot of the game is just asking the question, what counts as a sin? Which morality system is, you know, best? How do you create a moral society? Um, and in terms of gameplay mechanics, what you're doing is you're going around, you're talking to people, and you're figuring out what you can do for them, and it's a time loop. So whenever the golden rule, as they call it, is broken, you uh, can restart the loop. Right, and you take what you gain with you. So if you steal something and trigger the golden rule, because stealing does trigger it and everyone starts turning into golden statues, you can quickly escape with whatever you stole into the portal, and then you still have that in the next loop. So there's a lot of little puzzles that involve having enough money. Uh, there's a lot of things where you need a certain thing, but it's impossible to get. Uh, so you have to risk taking it and hope you can get to the next time loop. Um, and then likewise, there are things where, you know, characters will react a certain way if you already have something that they technically should own, etc. cetera. Uh, timey-wimey, very fun. Favorite part of the whole game for me is that they streamlined a lot where there's a, a lovely, friendly character you see when you first enter the city at the start of each loop. And you can just give him everything and say, hey, go save this person's life, go buy this, and go talk to this person and tell them to uh, do this. And he's like, whoa, okay. And then he, he goes off and does it, and it's great. It's like, oh, okay, I don't have to do all the tasks every single loop. I can if I want, or I can leave them undone. But it's great that the game just lets you, you know, make sure those things are taken care of. Because your goal ultimately is to escape the city and, you know, hopefully take people with you. So um, I, I just love that. I thought that was an yeah. excellent design choice for a time loop style yeah. game. Galerius is the real MVP for sure in this game. I wish that kind of mechanic was in Majora's Mask. Because oh, in Majora's yeah. <laughs> Mask, you can like go through this really lengthy like side quest of you know helping two lovers get together. And it's like, oh, this is touching. Well, too bad I got to restart the loop and know that that won't happen next time. You know, like, oh, I got a cool item. Well... Oh, well, they'll forget everything. At least I have the cool item. <laughs> yeah. In, in fact, this one doesn't have, like, a time system. It only has, like, triggers, which right. really fits, I think, for this style of game. It's not really concerned with, like, oh, do you have enough time to do everything you want to do? It's more... Are you in this spot when this happens? Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Instead, it's just if you made a certain choice one run, you might decide, oh, that wasn't the right choice for me to make to accomplish whatever and you're right i i agree it's not the most detective-y of detective games especially compared to something like case of the golden idol like we just talked about which requires a lot of deduction this one i think there's less of that involved um but the narrative was really engaging and it was mm -hmm. really cool to see certain twists play out um, for sure. And yeah, it was a cool backdrop too. Cause you and I went to Israel last year and we went to some similar Roman style, uh, cities and it was cool to see like the same architecture and some of the history that we had just learned kind of be in this culture. And I love also that you don't just meet Romans, you meet Greeks and Egyptians and other people among the, the town dwellers who have their own takes on things. You meet Christians and uh, yeah, a lot of philosophical debates, like what what is a sin? What is, you know, the correct way to 
lead, you know, a bunch of people who are isolated, you know, things like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Really fun. Really cool. I'm glad I got, again, another game that I loved experiencing with you, for sure. (laughs) I I saw someone say that if you play this game, you leave it with a philosophy minor, which is great. Uh, (laughs) I love games that make me feel smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) They they should have said, like, your philosophy brain age is 42 (laughs) at the end of the game. Yeah. In game ads, if they would have done, like, only this percent of people get, you know, brain age, whatever. How good are you at the Socratic method? Find out. Well, thanks for joining me for this little brunch that we had together. Om nom 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 nom. Nomming on these excellent games. Nom 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 Uh, nom. But we still need to announce our winner. So... Let's do some honorable mentions first, because, boy, we got a lot of nightmare fuel in our email <laughs> inbox. Jared literally asked for the, it. I, yeah, that's true. Uh, the telescope fish. That one is freaky deaky. It kind of looks like the, the weird... Uh, Star Wars puppet? Yeah, the Star Wars puppet from, you know, in Jabba the Hutt's palace. I don't know what those <laughs> are called. Yeah. But uh, that was sent by Slav On. So, Slav On, thank you for... Uh, keeping me awake for two nights straight appreciate it uh-huh uh another honorable mention bear sent in the angler fish which we've all heard of the angler fish sometimes you just got to stop and and look it right in the face and realize what a nightmare it is like it has like teeth on teeth teeth on teeth the scariest eyes like a face so wrinkled it's basically a shrunken head and to top <laughs> it all off it has a little lure attached to it Every everything that you know bases themselves off of an angler fish and like tries to be some terrifying thing, they're correct. They're right. This actually exists and it is terrifying. <laughs> right. But the one that edged out the others was sent in by Aiden, and they sent the sarcastic fringe head. And uh, what what a Which, name! Number one, yeah, best name. Best name for sure. But also, I was not prepared when I opened that email either. Uh, this thing, this thing has like three sets of jaws that open up in different directions. It, its mouth extends to be bigger than its head. And I, they, they were nice enough to send a, a Wikipedia article. And these, I guess, spar with each other using their mouths. And this just like, it looks like they're kissing, but they're actually fighting to the death. How else do I describe how disturbing it is? Uh, you know, when whenever some fantasy author is like, oh, or, I don't know, a horror author is like, oh, let's create a creature that can do, like, this weird thing. You know, like, so many things will have, like, jaws that open up in, like, three components or whatever. This this is a real thing that really does open its mouth and it parachutes. It, like, and it's large <laughs> and well done. Well done. Uh, yep. Many applause well, for you, yes. Aiden. You're, hey. you're getting a copy of Dredge so you and your sarcastic fringe head can in- enjoy late Enjoy nights. meeting other aberrations and monstrosities. Just have a because, grand boy, old time. you deserve it. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. That was fun. Hey, I want to do more giveaways on this show going forward. So if you are new to level with us, stick around. We might uh, give out some more indies and have some equally fun competitions Hopefully less scarring ones oh, for no, our I was, sakes. I'm, I was pretty sure we were setting the precedent that every game giveaway is determined by send us the scariest send picture. Send us the scariest. Oh, my gosh. No, send, please. Send us no. the scariest picture of uh, deep, deep water fish. <laughs> Even if the game is like 
a, a farming sim. Yeah, I, I want to do something a little different if it uh, for for future games, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Shake it up. Okay. Well, until next time, I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. And we'll level with you then. See you later.